Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. With the Michigan football season ever so close, we share our predictions for the 2023 Wolverines. After two straight Big Ten titles and playoff appearances, there's a national championship in the cards. How about individual performances? Might a Wolverine get an invitation to the Heisman ceremony? We share our predictions coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be with you here. It's a Thursday, late morning, August 31st. Might not be hearing this till Friday, but either way, it will be in advance of Saturday's season opener. We've been saying noon Eastern time, but now I know official kick time, 12.06 p.m. Eastern time on Peacock, uh, which we've got stories up about that, too. A um, little new wrinkle. There is a student deal. If you you've got access to a, a student email address still, it might be all you need um, you know, to get that $1.99 a month deal. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, there's, there's just Michigan's on a lot of different channels this year. And, and I know that's going to maybe rub people the wrong way, but, uh, welcome to 2023 and, uh, yeah, Peacock against East Carolina to open the season. Michigan last I checked 35, 36 point favorite, something like that. Just a, a massive favorite, even without its head coach and its, uh, offensive coordinator, I don't think we need to spend too much time previewing this specific game unless you guys think that there's a ch- any chance of an upset at Michigan Stadium on Saturday. I would put the chance at an upset at like 0.1%. I just I mean there, yes there's a lot going on with Michigan with the coaches and and everything else but I just there's just such a talent discrepancy between these two programs that I just I don't see it happening. And you look at EC or ECU's record last year, you're like, oh, eight and five. I mean, they, they might have some respectable guys. And then you look and they literally lost like all their good players from last year. Like they I think they only bring back two guys on offense that played more than 50% of snaps last year. Like that's just incredible amount of production that they'll need to replace and and, and a quarterback too. That's the main thing. Having a four-year starter is quarterback and having to break in a, a, a young sophomore who's inexperienced against the uh, in front of 110,000 people against a Michigan team that is ranked second. It could be a long day, but again, I mean, 36, 35, 36 and a half points. That's a lot of points too. Um, so I think it could be an interesting number as far as a, a cover goes, but I don't think there, think there's any chance of an upset. I think there's a better chance of Jim Harbaugh uh, showing up on the sideline with a you know fake mustache, generic hat, and you know dark glasses, a la Mets manager Bobby Valentine back in the day. My Mets fans will will know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, so yeah, let's get into more bigger picture stuff then. Um, you know whether Michigan will repeat as Big Ten champs, get back to the playoff again, maybe go a step or two further. Uh, we can get into that, uh, you know, maybe at the end. But for now, let's get into some, you know, individual player projections. And, um, you know, we wrote about this on MLive.com slash Wolverines yesterday. Uh, let's start with that run-pass split because Michigan's talking about being balanced, like truly 50-50. And I know from our predictions, none of us think it will be that. I think it'll be close. I actually think it was I, I was the the least optimistic about it getting close to 50-50. I think I had like more like 57-43. But yeah, what do you what do you guys think as far as how it'll actually play out? I um uh, I had 53-47 and you uh, toward lean toward the run. And like you said, 
Jim Harbaugh has said this offseason they they aim to be balanced. The goal is 50-50, but they also realize too that they're going to lean on which whatever's working. And I, I think the the one part of the offense that we probably know will work will be the run game. So I, I got to think in time in tough times if there are any, you know, maybe the first half of the season that's what they're going to lean on, uh, and rightfully so. I mean, it's what took them to the dance last year. It was how they how they how they were so successful. Um, I do think they're gonna. There's going to be more of an effort to throw the ball. I would not be surprised if you see them trying to air it out, especially in this non-conference, to try and get quarterback JJ McCarthy kind of on the same page as his receivers, some of whom are very young and inexperienced. Uh, but I think when times get tough, they're going to lay in the run game. So I, I do think they're going to be more heavily, he, more weighed heavily toward the run game. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it was something even greater, like a 55, 45, or even 57. Uh, but I, I got to think too that. We're not going to see a repeat of last year where they were 61-39, which was, I think, second in the Big Ten and, like, top, you know, bottom ten in the country in terms of the, the amount they threw the ball. Yeah, that's quite the discrepancy. And you mentioned non-conference plays. I almost think that they they might run the ball more in, in non-conference play just because they're going to have such a big lead in the second half. But looking at, at, at ECU's defense and how porous they were against the past defense this year, I wouldn't be surprised to see J.J. air it out in the first half get a big lead and then kind of just kind of run out the clock with and get some of these young running backs a, a shot too and um get, and just kind of run out the clock a little bit. So I, I'm guessing probably more 50-50 during non-conference play. And, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens during the Big Ten, but I think they are going to make more of a conscious effort to – be more explosive in the passing game and, and not even just for results, but just for recruiting too. I mean, Ron Bellamy was asked about this yesterday. Um, how do you sell, how do you pitch receiver recruits when you guys consistently run the ball all the time and, and receivers aren't getting the touches maybe they want? And he's like, well, we're selling them on, on being a team and, and winning as a team and, and getting an education and the NFL teams don't necessarily always want to see production, which, I mean, yeah, that's that might be the case. They do look at their talent evaluators as well. But when you touch the ball a lot, you can showcase your talent more, in my opinion. So we'll we'll see if what happens. But yeah, I think it. I had, think I had fifty five forty five as far as run pass ratio this year. And how about the two star running backs, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards? It was it was interesting. You know, we said who would get more touches, combining carries and receptions. And initially, I was thinking, oh, the receptions could push Edwards up there, but. Last year, he only had 18 compared to Coram's 11. It wasn't, it was really insignificant. Now, part of that is that Edwards missed some time, you know, early in the season. And then even when he was playing late in the season, his injury to his hand sort of prevented him from being a pass catcher. Um, you know, Aaron pointed out Coram might get more catches because he's trying to showcase that to NFL teams. I don't know. In the end, I think we all picked Coram to have more touches, but, uh, you know, you guys might have been a little closer to thinking that would be more of a, a shared load. I, I definitely lean toward Quorum. I'm not sure on it just because of what you said, right? Like, I do think they're going to use Donovan quite a bit in the slot. Um, they they did that a couple of years ago. They tried it again last year. Um, I expect them, to, assuming he's fully healthy and can hold on to the football, they're going to try that quite a bit this year. Um, but we've also got inclination from players and who've mentioned it, you know, during the preseason that – that they are get they are throwing the football to Blake as well. So I I I do think by the end of the season, Blake will probably end up with more carries. I don't know how big the the discrepancy will be, but I, I think he will beat Donovan there. And then it's going to come down to, to passing touches, right? Who gets the ball more in the flat? Who gets thrown the ball more to? Um, I, I do think Michigan's going to throw the ball to running back quite a bit this year, just because of all the unknowns at receiver. 
Um, they've got weapons at tight end too. So I, I do think they're going to kind of use all, all the positions as needed. I don't know. I, I still think Blake Barham is their, their number one workhorse in in the backfield and is just trying to out carry Donovan by so much that, yeah, I think Donovan maybe will haul in a few more receptions, but I don't think it's going to be nearly enough to, to equate the, the same amount of touches as Torum gets. I mean, this is a guy entering his senior year, has been reliable throughout his his Michigan career. I think the coaches love what he brings to the table. And, I mean, Donovan's not that free talent. He's got that ability, but still uh, relatively um, new and unknown. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm leaning toward by a, a healthy margin. I, I tend to agree with what you're saying, but I also remember, too, like Blake hasn't finished this season really health, truly healthy. He's gotten banged up each of the last two years, and I, I'm wondering if if I'm a Michigan coach, how much that's weighing in your decision to utilize him, especially during the year, right? Like I think they want to – I think they're going to want to keep him healthy as long as possible so that if they do, in fact, make a run and win the Big Ten and get to the playoff, that he is somewhat healthy and able to go late. Um, and there's also the future of you know his NFL career, right? Like he could have left the NFL this past year despite the injury and despite everything going on and probably still gotten drafted as a day two guy um, and, and gotten paid. So I, I, I do think there's a, there's a part of the Michigan coaching staff that are, that are aware of that. They don't want to ruin Blake Corum, so to speak, and to give him a runway to, to play a professional career. So we've talked about kind of the star running backs. We talked about a run pass split, which obviously brings JJ McCarthy uh, to mind. Those are the guys, but there could be someone else. Who knows? You know that you'd think would be potentially in the mix for for the Heisman. A question we didn't put in our in our story, but we can discuss here. Do you think any Wolverine will be invited to New York uh, for the Heisman ceremony? If you ask me, invited? No, um, I don't think Michigan has the playmaker to do it now last year it would have been Blake Cormetti not getting injured and I just I don't see him getting the number of carries that he did last year to duplicate what he's able to accomplish um and I don't see any running back and Donovan Edwards too getting just getting enough carries to, to get him there if there is one guy that would get there in my opinion it would be it would be JJ McCarthy I, I think he's the wild card in this situation if somehow he has a big year throwing the ball and Michigan does duplicate, you know, win a big 10 and get to the playoff. I think there's an opportunity for him to get there. But even so, as we've been talking about, Michigan is ground heavy. They like to run the football. And I just, I don't think there's enough opportunities for any of these guys to, to, to become a finalist and get invited to New York. Yeah. There's just so many other good quarterbacks out there in pass heavy offenses that I think are going to have better numbers than McCarthy or any of, and I think as far as Michigan's running backs go, I think they're going to kind of cannibalize each other a little bit as far as stats go to, I mean, yeah, they might average eight yards a carry, but if they're splitting touches, it's going to be hard to to be up there as far as a, a workhorse on another team or quarterbacks on another team that are just putting up insane stats. Yeah, the cumulative numbers just might not be there. I, I hear you. Right. So, and I mean, yeah, there's like Aiden Hutchinson was a defensive player, but again, that, that takes one of those really special seasons from a, a defensive guy. And I don't think there's anyone really on on Michigan that could be there yet. I mean, Will Johnson seems like he has star potential, but I mean, he's only going to be a sophomore. So we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I, I would bet my money would be on no uh, Michigan players in an invite this year. You know, they like the quarterbacks on the really good team. So I think if Michigan is, you know, undefeated at that point, say, and, you know, McCarthy's playing really well, 
if there's not three other quarterbacks that have that have you know kind of met the threshold for team success that are that are killing it with their stats, I think he's got a shot. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably I would lean no with you know maybe one or two guys maybe in the top ten in voting, but not not necessarily you know enough to to get invited to New York. Um, you know we had we had a couple other player things. We had sack leader. We had uh, breakout freshman. Let's just do let's just do one more of these before we kind of move on. Uh, how about the receiver? That was the most interesting to me. Who will be the leading receiver on this team? You both went with Cornelius Johnson. Tell me why it is his time because he's been he's been good, but not you know not the number one guy during his four years so far at Michigan. This was a really tough one for me, uh, as we kind of talked about earlier. They, Michigan's going to probably throw the ball to so many different folks. It's, I think it's going to be it's going to be hard for someone. I think maybe to separate themselves as a true number one. So I, I, but I lean toward Cornelius for a couple of reasons. One, he's, he's the most experienced on the team. You know, he was number two in receiving yards last year. So he's kind of, he's built up. There's a body of work there you can go off of. Um, but I, I do wonder how he's going to respond to being the number one guy and going up against an opposing team's number one cornerback on a week to week basis. Can he put it together in a, in a consistent manner? Can he, can he have those big games that might be required of him down the stretch? Uh, so I'm, I'm leaning Cornelius. I don't feel great about it, but just just based off experience and just kind of a ceiling, I, I think he has the talent to to be that guy. Uh, I just I want to see it. Yeah, I mean, what was, I actually wrote about Cornelius uh, yesterday, and it was just like, I mean, looking at his targets from last season, he only received six targets one time last year. I mean, he's on the field all the time, but it just seems like a lot of games Michigan would go to him early on in the game, maybe once or twice. And if he didn't make a play in those first couple targets, then uh, they kind of shy away from him the, the rest of the game. So obviously be, playing in blowouts has an effect uh, on that as well. But I mean, yeah, his production dipped last year and there was times you're just left wanting more, but like Aaron said, he is the most experienced there. They don't have many other options to go to. So um, and he said that he really focused in on the season on improving his weaknesses. So we'll see if how much uh, that work paid off. But I'm not super confident in picking Cornelius, but I think it is the most logical option at this point. It's funny to read those because you guys both picked Cornelius, and it's like the you can just sense the kind of unease and I don't love it, but he seems like the right option. And then <laughs> mine, like the words kind of pop off the page as far as like, I know this is crazy, but I, you know, I really I'm high on this guy. And that was Colston Loveland, the the you know, he was a freshman last year, sophomore now, tight end. He had 16 catches last year. So it 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 probably isn't certainly not a safe pick, but I guess it's more like I kind of think he's almost just the most talented pass catcher. Um, you know, he, I wrote that he came on late, late last season, but it's really just one catch in each of those games. They were just, they were big ones. They were touchdowns. So maybe, maybe somehow he ends up as the touchdown leader. Uh, but you, yeah, you kind of would think that, that, you know, Johnson and, and Roman Wilson, who's, who's wearing the number one jersey this year, uh, you know, could have more, more catches and yards. Um, but but I don't know. We'll see. Certainly, we know tight ends get a chance in Jim Harbaugh's offense. I'm glad you brought him up because I, I was writing a story. It's published today in mlive.com slash Wolverines about Colson Loveland. And for, for that, I, I spoke to Jake Butt for Michigan tight ends uh, last month in Indianapolis. And he he brought it up. He, he suggested that maybe Colston could be Michigan's number one uh, pass catcher. You know, he, he, he named off all the receiving options and he put Colston's name in there. And in fact, suggest that maybe he does get 40 catches this year. Uh, so yeah, Jake Butt is on your side. Uh, I guess it wouldn't surprise me, given that we know 
how, how you know Jim Harbaugh's affinity for using tight end is certainly possible. Uh, he had a big year last year. It, you know, he made some impressive catches. So I have to think that that knack for going up and getting the ball is is appreciated. And I, I got to think he's going to get more opportunities. Bud had a chance at 2016. I'm looking here. He had 46 catches. It was second on the team, you know, but only 11 behind uh, Amara Darbo. So, um, yeah, yardage was kind of significantly behind, but um, second on the team in touchdowns. If if uh, you know Loveland gets up to those numbers, I'll I'll be I'll be happy with my pick. All right, like I said, there were there were some other a few things we we hit on in, in the story on MLive.com Wolverines. You can you can check it out. Uh, let's get into the big season predictions, which actually haven't published yet. Although by the time you listen to this podcast, I suppose I suppose it will have. Um, but we all we all weighed in uh, in writing um, our our predictions for for the season. How do we want to do this? Do we want to go from you know least least optimistic to most or uh, alphabetical order? I, I don't know. I mean. I know, I know where we stand here, but uh, anyone want to? Well, I haven't seen Aaron's yet, so who, who's who's more least optimistic, me or him? Oh, yeah, who's more least optimistic? I don't know. The phrasing of that is that uh, you've confused <laughs> me. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, Ryan, why don't you why don't you go first, Ryan? I think that 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 works. Yeah, I mean, all right, I'll I'll start it off, and I have them finishing eleven and one, and not reaching the Big Ten championship game, and not making the playoffs which it's like, oh, my God, you win 11 games and you should have you should be in the mix. But looking at their schedule compared to some other contenders, and I think they should be punished for playing a weak schedule if uh, if there's a tiebreaker for other teams, potentially um, even a a two lost uh, conference champion. I mean, really, if you look at the, the schedule, Penn State and Ohio State are the real only tough challenges or like where you think there could be a possible slip up. So I mean, if you win both of those games and you, yeah, all right, you're undefeated, but if you lose one of those, you're really only one and one in those key marquee games. And I don't know if that's enough to warrant a, a spot in, in the, in the big 10 playoff. And when you look at some of the other preseason national title contenders, I mean, Ohio state plays Notre Dame, Clemson f- faces Notre Dame, Texas and Bama have a, have a, a non-conference showdown. LSU, Florida State. I mean, even Penn State at least plays a Power Five opponent in uh, in non-conference play in West Virginia, and then gets Iowa on crossover play in the Big Ten too. So I just feel like you teams that are playing tougher schedules when there's still only a four-team playoff um, deserve to to be credited a little bit more, or it carries a little bit more weight. So. It will be frustrating for Michigan fans if that happens, but I, I think it's it will be their own doing. They'd certainly be in the mix at eleven and one. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, Ohio State last year obviously was was in a similar similar spot. I'm guessing you're saying maybe there's a SEC team or two, a Pac-12 team, maybe Big Twelve that, and then you know Ohio State would be would be the other one. Or do you think you know Ohio State and Penn State both get in in, in this scenario over Michigan? I could see just one Big Ten team getting in this year. I mean, if you look at if Texas somehow, if Texas loses to Alabama but still wins the Big 12, I think they should get in. I think if Alabama doesn't win the SEC and or loses to Georgia but in the SEC championship but has that Texas win on the resume, they deserve to get in too. So, I mean, and even like a, a USC. USC has the Pac-12 has some good teams at the top, so they have a pretty difficult schedule too. And I think they – if I'm not mistaken, they also play Notre Dame this year. So there's a there's there's some uh, marquee 
non-conference games going on between these national title contenders, and I don't think they should be punished that too much if, if one of those loses and they still win their, their conference championship. So, yeah, I mean, last year I just feel like it was a little bit of a flute having TCU get in there and, and two Big Ten teams. I mean, I think the SEC will regularly have two legitimate threats to get in almost every year. And then, I mean, yeah, is this the year Texas finally figures it out? Who knows? And even Notre Dame. What if Notre Dame do- comes out and and wins a bunch of these uh, tough matchups too? So there's uh, obviously it's early, but I think it will be tough for Michigan to get in with with a loss. Fair enough, Aaron. What do you got? What's your what's your projection for Michigan in 2023? I I think for the first time on the beat, I'm picking him to go 12 and 0. Um, I I think this is Jim Harbaugh's best team he's had. He's said as much. Uh, I think they're deep experience on both sides of the ball. And I just, like Zook said, the Big Ten I don't think is very good this year other than Ohio State and Penn State. And luckily for Michigan, they get Ohio State at home. So I I think they should win that game. I'm not saying they're going to, but I think they will. So really the the only other, like, game I'm worried about is on the road at Penn State. Now, I would not shock me if they lost that game. That's a place they've struggled to win in the past. But I just think top to bottom, this is this is a this is a very good team. Um, I think they should have no really no trouble running through the Big Ten. So I'm going 12 and 0, uh, winning the Big Ten again, Big Ten championship, getting into the playoff. Beyond that, it's hard for me to predict. I don't know who the other three teams are going to be in it. My my guess would be that they don't win it all, just because I I don't know about too much about this passing game and whether they can hold up, and on, on the national stage. I mean, we've seen the last couple of years of them kind of have to lean on, on the run game and then go to the pass, and it just never seemed to work out. So uh, I think I think they go 12-0. and I think they win a Big Ten championship. I don't – whether they win a playoff game, I don't know. It's hard to say. But, um, but no, I, I think they're, 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 they're prime for another unbeaten season, regular season. So, wait, we just had a guy say 12-0, and Big Ten champs, get to the playoffs, and that's not the most optimistic of this trio that's – wild stuff here uh yeah I'll, I'll get into mine um yeah like you guys have said the schedule is not daunting non-conference portion weak so i don't think this suspension the suspension for harbaugh matters that much uh you know if you look at the preseason rankings it's just penn state and ohio state that are ranked right now but even i, I think when the season is over the only those are going to be the only two ranked teams they played i mean do you guys see any of these other big 10 teams Getting in, getting ranked by the end of the year. I mean, I, you could say maybe Purdue. It happens Nebraska if they have a surprise year, but I don't. But I don't think so. I don't, I'm not banking on it. That's for sure. No, even at the end of the year, I think I don't think at any point this season any of those teams will be ranked. So, uh, yeah, you could say the the trip to Michigan State on October 21st. You could say when they host, you know, defending West champion Purdue. Uh, you know, which is the next game after that after a bye. But really, I don't think it's until that Penn State game in, on November 11th where they'll really be um, tested. And I'm not as sold on them maybe as you guys are. Um, and then Ohio State. Like, it's crazy. But now I think, like, the onus is on Ohio State to prove that they can, you know, hang with Michigan in the trenches and and keep Michigan from lighting up the scoreboard because, you know, 87 points now in, in the last two years. Like, I, it, it's again, it's wild to say, you know, we it was like you thought two years ago maybe there was rumblings that it, it was it was going to happen, but we were all in wait wait and see mode. Well, it happened, and then it happened again last year in Columbus. So, like Kyle McCord might be great. We kind of already know JJ McCarthy is. So, uh, yeah, I've got Michigan at twelve and zero, 
getting to the Big Ten Championship, winning the Big Ten Championship, and winning it all this year because this is partly history. Do you guys know the last time that a team won three national championships in a row? It was actually a Big Ten team. Uh, and it's crazy to think what Big Ten team it is. It was Minnesota. Wow. I said it was a long time ago. It was Minnesota, and it was, in fact, a long time ago, 1934 to 1936. Uh, so, like, Alabama, as good as they've been, you know, this dynasty under Nick Saban. Uh, USC uh, with Pete Carroll. Uh, you want to go back to, you know, the Oklahoma and Miami teams of, you know, the 70s and 80s. None of them did it. So I just think, like, and there's there's something to be said for that. Like, as good as Georgia is, has been, will be this year, you can't fully reload like that year after, you know, three years in a row with all the NFL talent they lost. So, um, and who knows, who knows if, you know, again, like Aaron said, we don't know if they'll actually have to face Georgia at any point, but I just think all the pieces are there uh, for, for Michigan to, you know, to, to take that next step and, and win a national championship. But um, yeah, at the very least, we all see, you know, a very, very successful season for Michigan. If you're right, Andrew, and they go, go on to win the national championship, it will be the first time that a team ranked outside the 24-7 sports team talent composite rankings wins a, a national title. So I was reading that today, and, and Michigan is 14th as far as their uh, wh- where their current players ranked as recruits and stuff. So it's typically outside the I'm, top 10, you said? Outside of the top 10. They're 14th. So that, that kind of stuck out to me today, too. I mean, even Clemson was, I think, number nine one year, but they had Trevor Lawrence or uh, uh, Deshaun Watson as their quarterback, too. So it's like some teams close to the to the 10th have, have won it, but they've also had a star quarterback to do it, too. So um, maybe this is the year because so many of the, these top teams like Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State are breaking in new quarterbacks. But, I mean, they always say stars matter and, and win national championships. And if Michigan wins it this year, that would kind of go against the, the grain a little bit. I mean, Michigan is talented for sure. I mean, 14th is still pretty good. But if you look at some, some of their guys, like the Rod Moores, the Chris Jenkins, they were three-star guys compared to where Alabama and Ohio State, I mean, you look up and down the rosters, they typically have five, four, and five-star guys in, in those positions information that would have been helpful a half hour ago before I wrote my final <laughs> season prediction. No, just kidding. Um, all right. Well, there we have it. I mean, Ryan 11 and one, but a loss to Ohio state keeping Michigan out of the big 10 championship and therefore the playoff Aaron 12 and 0, winning the big 10, getting the playoff, but you know, maybe not, not climbing that, you know, final mountain. And, and then, you know, me, I've, I've got him, I've got him doing it. Um, but, uh, yeah, which would be, of course, for the first time since 1997. Uh, parting thoughts. What's give me give me something you're actually interested in in seeing play out on Saturday? Because none of us think the game itself will be particularly competitive. If we get through the whole game uh, with uh, with internet, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, they did get it back. I think Wednesday they said they did. So we'll we'll see what things are like on uh, on Saturday. But yeah, I, one more thing too on the season, real quick. Sure. If you are a betting person, I, I, I've seen Michigan's regular season win total at ten and a half. Uh, if you believe what we're saying, I think it's probably a safe bet to go over because um, I do think Michigan's probably more likely to go twelve and zero than they go ten and two. Uh, so it's you know, a, as for Saturday, um, I'm I'm I can't wait to see Kurt Campbell call plays. To be honest with you, uh, here's a guy who was a OC and FCS for uh, years ago. Uh, he was an analyst on the staff last year. 
kind of gets put into this interesting situation. Uh, he's known for throwing the ball, so I'm, I'm real curious to see what the offense looks like on Saturday. I just wonder. I just wonder if if he has strict instructions from Harbaugh to be like, all right, let's not uh, show too much here in the opener. We got to save things for later in the year. So don't don't get too crazy with your plate calls. But no, that that, that is a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it just first game is always interesting because you get to see who's the first out on the field, who the who the starters are. Maybe start building up some stock and and who is going to be key players throughout the year too. I mean, there's not many position battles that need to be sorted out this season, but we'll at least get uh, maybe some clarity on on Saturday. I'm looking forward to seeing you know the stadium changes once we get inside and seeing that those giant scoreboards. The cranes are still there, folks, uh, right inside doing work here up to the to the last minute. But um, yeah, kind of seeing what what they can do as far as not just the size of it, but the the quality and maybe some of the, some new graphics. Uh, we've got new lights too, but we're at a noon kick. We're not going to really get to to see what those can do. Maybe for the three thirty game late in the game, but probably not until the the final non-conference game uh which is a 7 30 kick time well we get to see what those can do that will be wild because those lights are bright that night man like you could see i could see them from miles away like just the radiating in the sky yeah new, new sound too like they got they put all new speakers in the concourse and the uh, scoreboard so the sound should be better too there you go. Yeah, no, this should be a, a this is a game day atmosphere. Of course, the one thing that I hear most from fans is like, you know, cell service and internet would be great to have. Uh, but as we noted, that's been a been a campus wide outage, which hasn't really affected the football program. By the way, uh, you know, Ron Bell, me assistant coach, yesterday was like, "Hot spots, baby." We're just, you know, things are a little slower, but um, nothing like you know, like playbooks and things like that. They're not like stored or film is all separate. I was told that they're, they're not having to, you know, wheel out the projectors to try to, you know, prepare for this game here. Uh, so minor inconvenience, but um, you know, more of a problem, more of a problem for the players. You know, these, they're student athletes. Uh, the, the student portion of, of element of their, of their existence has been affected a little more trying to uh, yeah, navigate all that with a, with a campus wide outage on the, in the first week of class. Well, we will have full coverage still leading up to the game uh, during and after on mlive.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening.